All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. I've been doing it since 2009. Twice a week, every week, always a new show. Happy to do it. Thank you for listening. Today on the show, David Crosby, the David Crosby, who uh, I actually kind of contacted on Twitter and we went back and forth. We had a couple phone conversations. He came over. Sweet man. Uh, and also a dude with uh, a history. I don't, I don't know what you know, but uh, some of us went through that those couple of records, those Crosby, Stills, and Nash records, Sweet Judy, Blue Eyes. And I listened to them before I had David on. And no matter what's going on in the world today with singer-songwriter, sweet country stuff, folky business, uh, thoughtful, uh, acoustic-y things, you put those on and you put Sweet Judy Blue Eyes on. And I'm not diminishing anybody. I think everybody's doing a fine job out there with their guitars and their mouths. But those guys singing together, I hadn't listened to it in years. You know, I don't know why. It's just not one of the ones that I put in rotation. But Jesus Christ, nothing sounds like that. Nothing sounds like those fellas, those titans of harmony. David's here in a minute. He'll be here. He's got a new record out that I just got sent. It's lovely. Uh, His new album's called Lighthouse. Comes out this Friday, October 21st. He's going to go on tour next month. These guys, they go out and they do it. These 70-something-year-old fellas. They, they got to go out, man. What's the point of living? You can also pre-order the album at davidcrosby.com and figure out if he's coming to a place near you. He's still donning or, or manning that mustache of his. He's doing well with his, uh, his incredibly uh, hardcore history and new liver. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him. I'm glad he came over. He's a, he's a radical dude who's uh, lived through some shit. All right? I also wanted to say the Now Hear This Festival is next week. Come check out more than 30 podcasts live all weekend. It's October 28th through 30th at the Anaheim Marriott. And the special WTF show with me and Brendan McDonald is on Saturday the 29th. Go to nowhearthisfest.com to get tickets and see the full lineup. And now you can use the offer code WTF when you buy tickets to save 25% off general admission. That's nowhearthisfest.com. Offer code WTF. What is on my mind? I seem to be festering about something, about the general condescension to those people, myself included, I will include myself in this, in uh, show business. Show business. The show business industry. There's a lot of... uh, you know, it comes from the right, it comes from whoever, but there's this some sort of dumb idea that uh, those of us who work in this industry don't work somehow. And it's fucking, it's, it's disrespectful and snotty. Do you know what it takes to make fucking three minutes of television? Now, look, I'm not saying I'm some sort of fucking hero. Do you know how many people are involved on how many levels? It's not just writers, not just actors. There's lighting guys. There's caterers. There's hair and makeup. There's truck drivers. There's there's people that are operating cameras, camera operators. There are stand-in people. There are props people. There are people in charge of transportation, managing 
porta potties, trailers, and it just keeps building out from there. Locations, people, people who hold mics, light, you know, people who are hanging things from ladders, people who are risking their lives on some level. 12 to 15 hour days we do. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's just shitty when people think that celebrity culture, maybe celebrity culture is what it is, but the, the industry of show business employs a lot of fucking people on a lot of different levels, you know, who, who, who have families, who do real work. I don't know where you get off thinking it's not real work. And again, this is not some heroic diatribe. It's just, it's fucking work. This is the job we chose. I don't know what you chose. I don't know how it's working out, but it certainly hasn't been easy and it's not easy on a day-to-day level. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about everything that goes in to the industry. Now, you may not like what we produce. You may think it's shit, but it's a fucking business. It's an industry and a lot of people work really hard. So shut the fuck up with this condescending attitude about celebrity culture, which is different than the actual nuts and bolts of show business. I'm not even sure who I'm talking to or why it got stuck in my craw. There's just this general dismissal of something that, you know, is a major business and industry in this country and where people work very hard and and many of them are not appreciated. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) We're trying to make stuff that, that resonates some of us. We're trying to make things that add and don't just distract or take away, that provoke, that confront, that entertain, but you, you know, move you through things, humane and humbling. Yes, show business. And I'm, you look, I'm, I'm grateful that it, it finally worked out for me and I can earn an honest living, which it is. That's another thing people don't realize. As cable and things level off and options expand and uh, the market diversifies and fragments, not all of us are running away with a billion dollars an episode. You dig? Pow! I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop. Available at WTFPod.com. Classic ad. WTF ad from our original sponsors. Here's a nice email. A nice email. Don't read the comments in the subject line. I like this idea, by the way, what you're about to hear. It's from Sam. Greetings, Mark and or person, people that read Mark's mail. I thought of a good preamble to this pitch. I was kind of bummed this morning when I saw there was another singer-songwriter guest on the WTF podcast, but decided to listen anyway. I was delighted to hear the Margot Price interview and even went back and listened to the Hutch Harris interview, resulting in even more delight, lesson learned, and as I have recently heard the same sentiment espoused on a listener mail segment on the show. Uh, In parentheses, don't skip interviews. I would also like to compliment WTF on incorporating a testimonial that actually rang true. That was the preamble. Here's the pitch. Toward the end of the Margot Price interview, before I had ever heard any of her music, Mark and Margot were talking about how awful it is to read the negative trolling comments on Twitter. Margot spoke very passionately and truthfully about saying, it ruins my happiness. While Mark had the tone of a seasoned cynic with his time-worn refrain, don't 
read the comments, which is when the light bulb came on, so to speak, because I had already been primed for the idea because Mark and Margo were talking about collaborating on a song. I didn't know if it was a good fit, and I played with the idea until the end of the podcast. Ten minutes later, when Margo sang Desperate and Depressed, it was then that I realized I wanted to write this email. So there it is. Don't read the comments. A duet sung by Mark Marin and Margot Price. I don't feel like I should elaborate any more than that. Either you get it or you don't, I guess. Except to say the challenge here seems to be not make it sound like a parody type Weird Al kind of song, right? To make it sound authentic and not synthetic. Anyways, food for thought. Keep up the good fight. WTF. Your podcast makes my job raking leaves as I try to finish my first novel. Somewhat more bearable. Sam. All right, Margo Price, if you're listening, it's it's been it's it's not a challenge, but I think it's a solid idea. I think it's a solid idea. I'm going to be in Nashville soon. I'll throw. I don't know if you're going to be there. Yeah, I could just text you this, but why not make it public? Why not make this public? I'll I'll scribble some some stanzas. You do too. We'll go basic country, three chords, maybe with some sort of a, a, a chorus. You know, maybe with a refrain that might throw in a minor chord or something. But um, I'm ready to work on this. I'm ready to work on Don't Read the Comments by Margot Price and Mark Marin. I'm just putting that out there. Neither one of us need it, but I think it would be fun. I can sing. I can sing a little bit. All right? You hear me, Margot? Do you hear me? Did a lovely charity event last night. Seth Rogen asked me to do a 10-minute spot on his hilarity for charity. Uh, Alzheimer's uh, benefit was me and Jen Kirkman and uh, Morgan Murphy and James Corden was there and Courtney Love was there and Snoop Dogg closed the thing out. There was dancing. It's nice when dancers are employed. I like seeing dancers. I don't see enough dancing. How amazing is it when you see somebody who's a pro up there doing whatever it is they do, right? David Crosby, for instance. This guy stood in the front of thousands singing. Just a human. A human with a voice. Great guy. I mean, I might have to, well, maybe someday we'll talk again. He seemed to want to hang out. I thought he might move in. Kidding, kidding. He would. It's a joke, David. It's a joke. I love talking to you, so I'm going to share it with the people right now. This is me and the legendary David Crosby. turn the bird off uh do you know how yes i am but i'm going to tell my wife where the garage is first because uh she she'll get here and not know what to do i'll get her to text me when she gets here there you go but uh, then we're going to deal with that noise all the time no i'm going to turn the noise off oh okay we'll just i'll leave the phone oh, got out it. where i can see it got it uh ding 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 oof I, I literally thought you were making that noise, and I thought, like, what's well, <laughs> this a, weird David Crosby thing? He just makes uh, bird noises occasionally. I was very impressed. R2-D2 ringtone. Okay. So that, the fellow that dropped you off, that's your son. That's one of my sons, One of yeah. your sons. That's the oldest one, yeah. That's James. And there it is. <laughs> the, um, and you, from what, from what relationship was that, David? Um, uh, one of a number. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, what? 
I was kind of irresponsible, man. I, 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 um, I don't want to say I was trying to like wear it off. Uh huh. Um, but I was like trying to. Jesus, uh, there's got to be a euphemism I can use here. Uh, Get as much in as possible. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's even more graphic than I was going to be. But yeah, okay. Live life. Uh, yeah, uh, to the fullest. Yeah. And, uh, his mom put him up for adoption, and and uh, you were part of that choice. No. Oh, that uh, just happened. You were alerted of that later. Later. Right. And I knew he existed. Right. I didn't know where. And and so you reunited. Well, yeah, you know, you can't track from the parent down, only from the kid up, uh-huh. right? So I didn't know where he was, and I wondered about him, and I tortured myself about it, you know, yeah. thinking, oh, God, he's, you know, cold and hungry and living in a dumpster, and, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you know, normal things that you yeah. torture yourself sure. with. And so then I'm in the hospital. With which with ailment? A, I'm dying of, of hepatitis C, and I'm very close to dying. Yeah. Very close. This is when, before the liver? That's, this was the liver. Okay. And uh, and so I'm about a week away from dying. They've actually, then they finally got a match and they transplant me. In, yeah. and, and all of a sudden, it's a really strange thing. You go from being sicker each day, dying, yeah. and you can feel the system's collapsing, right? Mm. It's yeah. like a house of cards. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they operate on you, and all of a sudden, now you're not sick. You're wounded. Yeah. And you're getting better every day. Yeah. Well, you're lucky it took, right? Oh. Yeah. I'd be dead. Yeah. It's kind of science fiction. But anyway, I'm getting bags yeah like santa claus bags yeah of mail yeah they're bringing them in every day yeah in the middle of those there's a letter that says hi we're john and mandela raymond and we raised your son oh my god they had told him that you know he was he was had just gotten married and he was uh-huh. about to ha- uh he was about to have his first kid yeah uh grace and uh they said you should know who your genetic dad is so he went and found out and he goes uh no way and then you checked, and then way. It's you. It was me. And uh-huh. so he knew somebody that knew me, and uh, actually the guy who was my sponsor. And, he, and, uh, and um, he uh, got a hold of me, and we connected up. And those things usually go wrong. Do they? Because of the resentment, maybe? Or, yeah, right. yeah. People bring too much baggage to the deal. Sure. You know, hey, why did you leave me and mom? We weren't good enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he didn't do that. Uh, he gave me a clean slate, which is a huge gift. Because he must have been, they must have, he had good parents. He had very good parents, right. really sweet people. Uh-huh. And he was by nature a, a a person who goes for the high ground. Uh-huh. And so he gave me a shot. Yeah. He gave me a clean slate. He gave me, let me, you know, earn my way into his life. <laughs> yeah. and Which is not, not common. It no. doesn't usually go that way. No. So it was a huge, wonderful thing. It's, that's happened, uh, Twice in, now in my life, I have a daughter who uh, was put up for adoption by her mom, and, and uh, same period. I mean, you, that kid uh, that I just met must be my age, almost. No. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and she was raised in Mexico, and uh, and uh, came back in, asked her mom who her, who her father was. Mom told her. She got a hold of me and said, I, I think I'm your daughter. And I said, well, let's find out. And so we found out, and she absolutely was. And <laughs> she's really frustrating. She's really smart. Mm-hmm. And and English is her second language, right? right? But she beats me every time I play her in Words with Friends, uh-huh. constantly. Uh-huh. She beats me like a rug. And how old is she? Uh, 50s, somewhere. So you know? these were from that period. Yeah. 
<laughs> you were just uh, having fun. I really, you know, I like to kid around and say I have a PhD in fun. Yeah. But, you know, it's a mixed blessing. I, w- I was uh, pretty selfish and and certainly irresponsible. But you were like, the funny thing about you is that your face, your mustache, your voice is is one of the most identified emblems of, of the late 60s, really, mid-60s. Yeah, probably, yeah. And, you know, there's just these... Like, the the image I have in my mind is, I don't know what kind of house you were renting up there in the canyon or in the hills, but it's just you, like, just the, the hippie king of his fucking domain. Like, I just pictured, like, it was nonstop <laughs> up there at Crosby's place. I would be good at kinging. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I, I really would. I, I, You'd have a good time. Comes totally naturally to me. Uh-huh. Uh, Do you have royalty in your blood? No. <laughs> uh, I got, you know... At least one signer of the Declaration of Independence and a couple of bishops and generals. And oh, stuff. really? But yeah, I don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't keep track of it. But your like your family goes back to way uh, back. Yeah. What to the to the English or the Dutch? Both. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Brit, Dutch, Irish, and Welsh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Welsh, you know, hey, drunk poets. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You got it all. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Good uh, mixture. I think the kinging thing. Yeah, yeah. Would, I would have. There was some of that. Uh, in any case, the kids that I have mm-hmm. all wound up being pretty great kids. They are. Uh, and you have a relationship with the donor kids, too, as well, right? Melissa's kids? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to Melissa's house when I finish up here. I'm going to Melissa's house. Oh, yeah? Uh, to do a... Uh, she's got a show on on uh, on satellite radio. Yeah, I had a, I had Melissa Etheridge here, and it was great. She was great. She's a very brave woman. Brave and 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 engaged and and de- still does very consistent great work. Yeah, you know it's it's hard. I, I imagine for for maybe you as well that when you, you're as huge as like you were that and you're still doing great work that you, you know it's like it's hard to think that you're not doing it in a vacuum. Sometimes I would imagine. You know, you, it's really hard to understand your place in the world. Uh huh. Uh, I don't look at myself the way everybody else does. Of course not, Because I I know what a bozo I really am, you know. And you try to tell people, and you say, no, no, I put my pants on one leg at a time. Same as you, you know. Right. (laughs) But but, uh, (laughs) I've, you know, my life in in relation to the rest of the world has been very strange. Uh, Making all the mistakes that I made in front of the world, that was not fun. Well, you were become, because you were such an icon, the fall when you fell, you know, years after the 60s, you you know, it it was surprising, but, you know, that story, not as, you definitely outdid most of your peers by living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm baffled about that, but yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but like, you know, there was sort of like, this is how the 60s crashes in a way. Yeah. I mean, there we were. And it had a lot to do with the substances. We were doing, you know, we were smoking pot, which I don't see much wrong with. And Back uh, in the day you're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were uh, taking psychedelics. And then along came, came cocaine, and that was yeah. uh, just destroyed the whole thing. Late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed it. And speed, right? Not for me, for the bikers, yeah. Yeah, but uh, speed in the general culture seemed to be. The, yeah, it uh, was there. Yeah. I mean, it was this cultural thing was if you had any money, it was cocaine. If you didn't have any money, it was speed. Yeah, that horrible and, yellow speed yeah, that oh, bikers made. Speed. Yeah, yeah. I had some <laughs> friends in the Hells Angels, so I, I, I knew about it a lot, but it, it's not something I, I, I did. Um, well, let's, let's track it back. You know, this is a very surprising thing, and I'll tell you only because uh, I, I think it's, it's – it, not, it's, there's nothing ironic about it, just the way shit worked out. But uh, Neil Young was sitting right there yesterday. Yesterday. 
Uh oh. <laughs> no, we, no, no. I mean, look, I didn't talk. I don't, I don't do that shit. I, you know, he, you know, I very vaguely like everybody getting along. He's like, yep. Yeah. But, you know, he's being diplomatic. And yeah, he just doesn't want to do uh, the, the same thing I don't want to do. You put yeah, your no, laundry what? out in public. So. Yeah, but there's no... There, the thing is that what you've put out in public, I'm not a big laundry guy, you know, if if it's fresh laundry. Old laundry we can talk about. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, you know, it always it hurts me a little bit that, that, that you guys, all of you guys go in and out. You're humans, right? Yeah. But the work you did, you know, was so phenomenal. I'm and proud of it. No, how could you not be, right? I'm totally proud of it. I mean, I, I mean it is history, but it, it's good history. But we I put we the, did good work. Oh, man, dude, I put that shit on. Like, I used to listen to the first CSN record a lot, you know, when I was a kid. And it was already, you know, like, it was. I'm 52. So, it was. I, I'm coming to it not in its time. You know, I'm coming to it like, what's this, you know? And I just put it on this morning, and I'm like, no one does this. You guys did something no one did, you know, and and no one sounds like that on any level. It's not just the singing; it's all of it. It's the vibe. It's it's like it's completely hypnotic and beautiful and elevating, and and, and no one can do it, but you guys. Uh well, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. He said, blushing. Uh, you know that though. I do. It really has a lot to do with the songs and the magic of how you guys synchronize. I yes, <laughs> we had a thing, uh, a vocal sound that that was exceptional. I three very different voices. Yeah, and it was it was an exceptional sound. And uh, but I think it always, in all performers, comes down to the songs. Uh, if you have a song, and you can s- sit down with a guitar or a piano and sing it to somebody and yeah. make them feel something, mm-hmm. then you have the jacks are better, the openers, the the. Right, sending Quanon. Right, you know, the, you've got the tune. You got you got now the you stuff to work, the to work with. Work the melody. If you don't have that, you can do all the production in the world, and you're only just polishing a turd. It's there's no substance there. So we had them. Yeah. And, and part of the thing was we had three writers. Or there, when, when Neil was there, we had four writers. Yeah. Which means you get the very best songs of each guy, which kept the bar pretty high on being able to play you something that would make you feel something uh, how would that work though would you guys bring in songs you'd written and then work them together or was yeah. it yeah we'd come in we'd I'd sit down with them and sing them a song yeah and they would sit down and sing me a song and if it tripped our trigger you know we'd say oh I, what if i do this you know, yeah yeah it, right right start, right you know and it was a very organic process uh-huh uh which doesn't happen with everybody no i mean you know you got to you got to pay some uh, uh, due to the chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And it was there. And, you know, I'm glad that Neil was here. It's smart of Neil to come talk to you. He's he's, well, he's a fascinating a, guy, don't you think? He's got a thing he's, you know, making. You know, this player, the Pono thing is yeah, why yeah. He's, he's out in the world. He, yeah. He's he always is, but what I noticed about him, though, was that, like, there are guys who want to talk about back in the day, and there are guys who could take it or leave it. Yeah, and you know he's a take it or leave it guy. Yeah, I, I, he feels the same way I do. He's really concerned with what he can do today, sure, and what he would like to do tomorrow, and right. what he might be able to do this week or this month or this year. Right. He doesn't really look back at CSNY uh, as much or at his past much, and neither do I. I, I mean, you got so much time on the planet, just yeah. so much. Right. Do you want to spend your time looking over your shoulder, or are you trying to use every minute? Right. Because it's totally precious. Right. And he gets that. Yeah, but, you know, there's a, the thing for me in a conversation, though, is that I, I get sort of fascinated with, you know, 
where, where you guys come from, what it looked like when you started, what started to define you and your skills, and you know, and then you know, what was the journey? I think the journey is is a pretty beautiful thing. I'm not saying you got to live there, but I mean, I, I imagine that you know, in your quiet moments when you're not thinking of a new tune or how the world is ending, that you got to go back to some things and go like, that was a fucking good time. I don't. <laughs> John, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to make you. And, and Well, no, I can, Yeah, but I don't. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's very admirable. Uh, I, I think some other people who show remain nameless probably do that more than I do. Right. But I think, I think Neil is very much looking forward, and I know I am totally. Yeah. That's my entire focus is on, on today, tomorrow, next week, yeah. this year. Right. But when I, uh, like, but the beautiful thing is, is and, and this is something that not, you know, that people ne- don't necessarily, it's not their responsibility to answer or, or their, their, their um, they might not have answers, is that the magic of music is that, you, you know, especially the best of it, it it's really a timeless thing and and you and anytime you go to it you can have a different experience with it it can be nostalgic it can mean something to you in that moment it can you know bring you to you know a place that that is timeless and ill not defined but beautiful in that moment for it, it's like it's a magic thing it is and so you have this magic a career of magic that as <laughs> the wizard you have to fucking answer for when you sit down with somebody on a microphone i totally get that and i don't and i don't have have a problem doing it yeah i just my focus now you know, yeah sure is is elsewhere i i'll be very corny with you man I, to me just as war is a depressing force on humanity yeah. and brings out the very worst in us yeah music is a lifting force yeah it is magic yeah it's been mankind's magic since the first caveman danced around his fire going ugga bugga ugga bugga right you know and we it's our party right and it's something that it, it's one of the two things that link people all over the world constantly without and transcend language that's know, right math and music eskimo can play music with a kalahari bushman yeah it's a magical thing well that's what was interesting to me about just this morning uh listening to um uh is it i can't remember my name mm-hmm is that you know you in in particular that you, you know your approach to music and as you were talking this morning about open tunings that there is a meditative almost trance-like quality to 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 that that album in particular because it felt like a group of people coming in and out not working a lot of chords but working a repetition to get some sort of communal environment feeling yeah it was a very uh a very strange uh time in my life, uh, when we were, we had just finished making Deja Vu, and we were in the middle of Deja Vu. My yeah, gr- my girlfriend got killed in a wreck. Oh my God! How and long are you with her? Long time. Ugh. I've been with her several years. That's sad. And, uh, and so I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. At all. And I would wind up sitting on the floor crying and yeah. just not knowing what to do. And uh, when we finished Deja Vu, yeah, uh, the the other guys went their own way, and I. I didn't have any place that I felt safe to be. I didn't have really anything to do other than be in the studio. That was it. That was the only place I really could exist without just like weeping. And so uh, uh, I stayed in the studio uh, in Wally Hodgson, San Francisco, and my friends showed up. You were up in SF? Yeah. Yeah. And my friends showed up, uh, notably Garcia. Yeah. Almost every night. Just to uh, hang out? No, to play. 
And hang up, though, right? Yeah, I mean, he was up, a friend. But, he loved you. Yeah, and we played music really well together. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a... Uh, we would take a lot of chances. Yeah. And he that was his thing. He wanted to be right out on the edge, you know, yeah. and, and immensely creative human being. Yeah. But also, without being mushy about it, he was pretty kind to me because he knew where I was at and that I was... Breathing. You know, yeah. <sighs> Uh, shattered blown apart yeah and um he would come uh he's a funny guy too right he was, oh, a yeah, funny he was a very guy. funny guy. Yeah, yeah and he would come Cantner would come nash would come johnny would come sometimes uh grace would come paul paul Cantner and grace like would come a lot because yeah. they were they weren't grace still is a, a good friend uh-huh. uh david freiberg guys from santana uh-huh. was, like people would come Lesh, uh, Cassidy, uh-huh. two fantastic bass players. And, uh-huh. and I would sing them a song. I'd say, well, what about this? And we would start playing it. Uh-huh. And very often that became the record. Right. Uh, the actual the actual sort of record. first groove of it. Yeah. Everybody getting became in the it. record, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like the first song on there, the uh, Music is Love. Yeah. That's just me and, and Neil uh-huh. and Nash goofing off. Oh, he was there. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and Nash and we were in the studio, and we were just goofing off. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I had written some some words, you know, that were related to it, but they weren't the same, and it just happened. And that happened a lot in that record because uh, we we were open to it. And was it, it? Did it help you process? Yeah. To be engaged and around friends, and you know, like I said, music's a lifting force, mm-hmm. and it really is. Uh, if I, you know, if there is anybody who puts people on earth to do something, and I'm pretty, I don't believe that there is, but if there were, mm-hmm. they put me here to make music. Oh, that's, there's no question about that. <laughs> <laughs> and now the deja vu, uh, you know, process, that was, that was different. That wasn't as loose, was it? No, it was uh, very strange. Neil, you got to understand, yeah. was never in the band. No, I got that. Not in his head. Yeah. It was a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, what was the one he put out? Harvest? Right afterwards? Whatever it was. He had it ready. Yeah. Uh, and we went in there, and he brought his tracks in, uh-huh. and we sang on them. Right. But he made the, the tracks to Country Girl and Helpless and, and like that. He those They came, were whole things already. Yeah, and he brought them in, and then we arranged them vocally and and put the vocals on them and made them what they are so it was a, a kind of strange experience but it was good the well, music was how really did that good. happen did stills bring them in i guess we need to go back so you're when you when you grew up uh, you grew up here right i was born here right but you we, I grew you? up here in about fifth grade and then we moved, moved up to santa barbara oh so nice so you're by the beach and whatnot yeah and living that life yes and you when do you choose music or when does music choose you I started singing harmony when I was about six. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Just natural. You got it natural. My fr- my family uh, used to play music. My brother played guitar. Yeah. Uh, he gave me my first guitar. He was a professional my, musician, right? Yeah. And my yeah. dad played. My dad played mandolin mm-hmm. a little bit, and my mom sang in the choir and stuff. We used to sit around and sing folk songs. Oh yeah. Because uh, we didn't have a TV. Yeah. See, my dad was a cinematographer. He made films. He was, a, he was a big one, right? Yeah. He got an Academy Award and a Golden Globe and stuff. But uh-huh. anyway, so he, to them, back then in the 50s, yeah. uh, 
uh, TV was the devil uh-huh. because they hadn't figured out they could show movies on TV. It's still kind of the devil. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but, but uh, back then, in the film people, yeah. well, they won't come to the theaters. Right. They'll put us out of business. Right. This is terrible. Yeah. It's awful. So we didn't have a TV. Right. And so, which actually happened. That prophecy actually came true. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it did. Uh, but we used to sing folk songs and stuff, and that that was what led me into singing. Uh, but it's an open harmony. family. You have a creative family. They were they were open minded people that were that were in the arts to a degree. Uh, to a degree, you know, my dad was actually a pretty stiff, old, uh, yeah. crusty old guy. He yeah. was, came out of the. He was born in nineteen hundred, so he went through the depression. Uh-huh. Was in a B twenty four the entire length of the Second World War. Oh shit! Uh, doing photo recon kind uh-huh. of stuff, uh, so he didn't get out after thirty five missions. He just had to keep doing it because he was a photographer, right? Yeah, and uh, so he was he was kind of crusty and stuff. Yeah. But uh, you know, in any case, the music thing happened quite naturally, right? And then I discovered the other half of the human race, and I found out that if you could sing to them, it was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good intentions. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to find your gift somehow. Uh, he, he, you know, you got to do something. Yeah, well, yeah, and because of your voice, I, I, then then that leads us to what we started talking about. There's still still a few kids you might not have met yet. <laughs> uh, no, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you are really uh, okay. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna find your weak point. I'll get you. What do you mean? It's all over the place. I'll, I'll, y'all want me to make a list? I'll, I'll shove it across the table. For <laughs> we can you. compare lists. Hey, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm sure you did better than me. I, you know, like I said, I was pretty irresponsible. But, I, but, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun. But like, but so when did you start playing in bands? Uh, I I was a folky for several years. Solo. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I started doing it with my brother, and then we needed to actually put some food on the table, uh, so we were in a band, uh, my friend Bob Ingram and another guy named Mike Clow, and uh, and um, my brother and I were in a band that I, I can't even tell you the name, it's too embarrassing, <laughs> but we were in, in a, a folk a commercial folk band. We can terrible. find it. Yeah, I know you can. That's where the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was pretty terrible, and then I went out on the road some more, by my, yeah, yeah, by myself, just singing in coffee houses and stuff. Oh, yeah? And I came back to L.A. Mid-60s? Early? Yeah. Or early, before. Yeah. yeah, before that. Yeah. Like, right after the Civil War. Uh-huh. And, uh, sure. And, uh, the North won, and yeah. you were like, great. And I was doing great. Yeah. Uh, and I came back, and I walked into the Troubadour, and uh, Roger McGuinn, and he was, he was then, he was Jim McGuinn, uh-huh. uh, and uh, Gene Clark were sitting there, singing, Beatle-ish uh-huh. sort of stuff. And Duo, I, yeah, yeah, and it appealed to me a lot, and I, so I started singing harmony. You and stepped on stage with them; they knew who you were, or you? No, this was just happening in, in the little front room uh-huh. there in the bar. Oh, and, okay, uh, we were just goofing around, and um, that became the birds. So that you were there at the beginning of that. That was the birds. You yeah. were the you, yeah. that was the founding members having their moment. Like we're doing this. Yeah. And, it, and we knew that it worked. We liked it. So we found, you know, Hillman and, and Mike Clark, and we made it into a band. That was the, the first real band that I was really in. And that was a pretty powerful band. It worked. Yeah. I mean, you know, you changed the game a bit. We had a couple of really lucky things. We f- we figured out how good Bob Dylan was uh-huh. early on, before anybody else. In in terms of, like, you guys respected him as a, as a songwriter and as yeah, an we, artist. We, and, we, right. we knew those songs were really good. So right. we 
we did that and yeah. it, it put us on the map pretty much yeah and with uh, mr tambourine man mm-hmm. and what other car did you do other uh, Bur- dylan covers no yeah later than, later on we did yeah uh um Baby, be good to you. Uh, Chimes of freedom. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that, several, there were several. And we yeah, did a bunch. But, but you had your own. You're writing originals too. At some point, you were writing. Yeah, all we original. started writing originals pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, and so, but you guys were doing something that had not been done, which was the transition from folk and and more country music into rock music, which was really. A new yeah. thing, and a bit psychedelic as well later yeah, on. Yeah, you know, they kept trying to label us, which was pretty funny. I, I have no respect for labels at all, because they're generally a way to not think about a thing. Oh, that's a blah, 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 and then you don't think about it anymore. Right. You've got it tagged. But 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 I'm, I'm saying that, okay, so I'm using those labels, but at that time in Hollywood, in this city, you know, when the birds are starting to do- Oh, no, the, we did do it. The first wreck, right. But who were the other bands? I mean, who were you guys sitting around talking with? Who were you at the club with? You know what? We didn't, there weren't any LA bands that we liked the other bands were people like uh uh paul revere and the raiders really I, yeah who i normally call paul revere and the rear doors <laughs> so so it hadn't broken open yet no. you guys were ahead of the curve yeah way yeah and and w- the bands that we liked yeah uh were uh the bands that i liked yeah anyway, the ones that counted for me yeah. were uh, grateful dad jefferson airplane quicksilver missions their service janice so they were all just starting out too yeah Mid-60s. So the first Birds record is 65. Mr. Tambourine Man. And the 64. Okay. So, but yeah. so it's all just starting to go. Yeah. But most of what you liked was in the Bay Area. I liked them because they weren't Hollywood. And right. they didn't give a damn about show business. Right. They couldn't, you know, they did not wear little bellboy jackets. Mm-hmm. They played in t-shirts and they played what they wanted. Yeah. And they played the way they wanted and they weren't trying to have a hit. They were trying to play music that got them off. Were you up against that the hip-making sensibility in the birds? Was McGuinn about that? No, he wasn't about that. He was about good good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we were up against the old establishment. The only reason we got signed to Columbia, actually, yeah. they, they we we sent them a demo, and they didn't know what to do with that. They, they said, what the fuck is this? Really? Yeah. And so they asked Miles. Miles was on Columbia. Yeah. And they said, w- w- what is this? Miles? He said, sign him. He told him to sign him. <laughs> and uh, so they did. But they really had no, not one clue. Did you, that's <laughs> it, but it's a surprising ally, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a, a, a long connection with Miles. He, and later on, he cut one of my tunes. Which one? Uh, Guinevere. He did? Yeah. Much later on. And uh, I, I didn't get it. Because he, he called it Guinevere, but he really did, you know, just played like a chord and went for the horizon uh-huh it, it's not recognizably guinevere so when he asked me if i wanted to hear it he walks up to me in new york much later on and said, yeah hi i'm miles i said i i know who you are <laughs> it's a hero of mine right? yeah yeah so uh, he says uh, i uh, got one of your tunes i said gulp um, hey. you excuse me <laughs> yeah. you, you what yeah. he said i got one of your tunes and I said, oh, you know, uh, uh, which one? He said, Guinevere. You want to hear it? I said, yeah, of course I want to hear it. Yeah. So he took me up to his house. I mean, he, he said, follow that car. Uh-huh. And this girl who was like legs up to her neck, you yeah. know, got in the car. And he they drove up to this thing that was... Somebody had taken a brownstone and converted it to look like a, a mini castle. Yeah, yeah. And he was living in there. And I... Uh, 
he played me the tune, and I, I was really rude. I said, well, man, you could change the name and get all the publishing, because I don't hear Guinevere in there. And he threw me out of the house, because he was pissed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he almost didn't have a lot of patience uh, with people. Was that anyway. in the 70s, like in that period where he was sort no, of... and in the 60s, right in there. So, you, you couldn't identify any melody? No. Huh. I mean, you listen to it. You tell me. Uh, <laughs> but I was kind of short-sighted. <laughs> like, obviously, it was a huge honor that he did it. And I brag about it readily now. Right. You know. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise. You were a little cocky, right? <laughs> a little? <laughs> a little? <laughs> uh, you kidding me? I, uh, I had an ego the size of a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that 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 comes across. You, uh, Thanks, man. <laughs> Good to know. I thought I had it under control. Uh-uh. Not a chance. But I mean, but you you guys were like, I mean, once you started to find, once Janice started, everybody started to come up. Like what you were what you were interested in was actually slowly becoming what the audiences were interested in. Yeah. It must have been very vindicating and it must have been a good fuck you to the establishment on that level. And yeah. there were some record guys that were for fourth uh had enough for thought like who were the guys that championed you you know in the biz that enabled all you guys to happen nobody (laughs) as in as in fucking nobody everybody was sort of like i guess we let's see what happens yeah they were rolling the dice yeah you know they would pay attention if you had a hit right uh and that was the only thing they would really so mr tambourine man was a hit yeah yeah couldn't deny it yeah but they, they really didn't pay attention. The first record people that really actually paid attention to us yeah. was was a person. It was Ahmed Erdogan. Who the ran, guy. Yeah, who ran Atlantic Records. And he was different from all the other guys because he really loved music. He was like, this guy seems like a real like mystic to me. He was he, a great cat, man. His father was the ambassador from Turkey. Yeah. So he grew up you know, going back and forth and being in the States a lot. And he was very comfortable in the States and he loved music. He and that's we both did. They were jazz guys. And, yeah. And then from that, uh, rhythm and blues guys. Yeah. And then they got into the record business. Yeah. Ahmed could go to a Ray Charles concert and wind up weeping. I mean, it, it affected him. Uh-huh. He loved music, and he was our mentor. Oh, yeah? He had Still signed already because of Buffalo Springfield. So when Still said, I want to do this group with uh, David Crosby and this English guy, and, and he said, um, well, okay, and he he helped us you know, do some little trickery and and get ourselves on the same label and and create CSA. Well so 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 you were in the birds and you guys had had you'd run the course with them? Yeah, they threw me out. Because I was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> A moment of rare clarity. Uh, oops. Did were you upset that? at the time or were you Yeah, like, of course I was. It's a good band. You know, well, yeah, and I thought I was pretty terrific. Yeah. And and they thought I was a pain in the ass. And so you're so you're out of a band, and Stephen is in in Buffalo Springfield. They only did a couple records. His band fell apart around him because again, Neil. <laughs> see, Neil Neil's always had a a, a through line. Yeah. He's always had a plan. Yeah. And and other people aren't necessarily part of the plan. He 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 will wait, make music with somebody, but he's got a, a step beyond that. Mm-hmm. And he, he. You think he was conscious of that? Yeah. Hmm. But I think, I'm not saying that, that he was like mean or anything. Right. He just had a plan. Yeah. And look at, you know, Neil's bigger than we are. Right. By a long shot. You know, he's a, a huge star. He seems to stubbornly do his own thing. He does. Yeah. Uh, he follows fashion a little bit, but 
not enough to be bad about it. He's, right. He, you know, he'll listen a little bit to what's what's out there, but he doesn't really, you know, he tells you that yeah. he doesn't listen to other people at all. Uh-huh. He, uh-huh. When I sent him Cross, the yeah. Cross record, yeah. he said, oh, okay, I'll listen to two songs. <laughs> He's got a lot of <laughs> like he was a grudging, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, you know. Uh, but uh, he's he's very bright. Yeah, and he's very, very much his own guy. Yeah, but it's interesting. But you guys, so like, really, when you think about it, like, I know, like, obviously, you and McGuinn, you know, probably were were, were friends. Yeah, and 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 like you, so now Stills wants to out of Buffalo Springfield, or it's falling apart. And him and Neil are childhood friends, but you and Neil meet later, really, right? Yeah. So you're not like you don't have this long relationship when you do deja vu necessarily, right? Mm-mm. There had been some. Yeah. What happened? How that actually went down was uh, I was sitting on uh, Joni's driveway, uh, in, in Laurel Canyon, and yeah. uh, waiting for. Uh, <clears throat> waiting for her to get back or her and I think she might already have been switched over from me to Graham uh you both dated her uh yeah she yeah. was my lady for about a year yeah I produced her first record right and then uh she went to Graham yeah and then to how did that not cause all kinds of bullshit well because I had already found somebody that I, I loved the girl who got killed and I uh, and um then James Taylor, then Jackson Brown, then there was a list of Joni people. Yeah, um, but <laughs> she, anyway, talented people. Well, she liked singers, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was sitting there on the, you know, waiting, and Neil drove by, mm-hmm. and he saw me, so he turned around, came back, and pulled in. And at this point, we were thinking about how we were going to do going out on the road. CSN, we had biggest record in the country, and and. Uh, Neil comes up and uh, says, hey, you know, I, I want to hear a song. And I said, sure. And he sits down in the trunk of the car with me and with his guitar. And he sings me, Helpless. Uh, God, I don't know, like three or four songs. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. Really good songs. <laughs> and uh, and blew me away. So I went back to Stephen and Graham and I said, we got to do it. He's got to be the other guy. Because when we'd made the record, Stephen had played keyboard and guitar. Mm-hmm. That's how he got the Captain Many Hands thing. Uh, so we knew that somebody had to be playing guitar while Stephen was playing keyboard and somebody had to be playing keyboard when he was playing guitar. And Neil was the guy. So this is after the CSN record and before deja vu and this is heading into what became four-way street this was heading into woodstock okay and uh and when he sang me those songs i i i had been very iffy about having him there because i knew he wasn't like my buddy but he was steve's buddy no to a degree yeah and uh but i knew how good he was yeah i knew how good those songs were and they were irrefutable and you liked his voice Relatively, it's not you know he wasn't as good a singer as I was you know right. or as, as good Stephen. as Stephen was you know uh, he, he uh, but he could tell the tale yeah and the songs were spectacular and yeah. to me songs have always been the key to the entire tale. yeah 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 so you you tell tell Steve and Steve what what does he say he says well yeah I was right wasn't yeah. I yeah. <laughs> And, and you had played with Steve before as a, a little bit right before well, he, well, before CSN and Springfield right. You and, did. What would you do? A tour with them, or did you do a? No, record? I. Chris Hillman took me down and said, "You got to hear this band." 
got to hear them. Yeah. And and it was uh, Stills and and Neil. Yeah. And I I went holy fucking shit. This is good shit. Yeah. That was how I got turned on to Stephen and Neil both. And so now you guys start rehearsing for Woodstock. Uh, we started playing together. I don't think I don't know if we ever really rehearsed. You know, legitimately. Yeah. We would play together. Yeah. And and stuff would happen. Yeah. Know. I this is so funny to talk through this history stuff because I'm like very foggy about it all because I don't think about it very yeah. much. Yeah, is it bothering you? No, no, oh. no. I mean, where's you know what do I focus on? I focus on what I did last night. I mean, sure, we, we created a new song last night. You did, yeah. Uh, James and I. Um, that's why this girl uh, Tal is is texting me because yeah. I I tweeted about it this morning because uh, she wrote the music and I wrote the words and uh, but we 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 did a piece of really good work last night. We're working with James is a joy, man. Your son. He's, yeah, we you know, we listen to a lot of the same music. We a lot of jazz, a lot of Steely Dan, a lot of more complex singer-songwriter stuff. Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's a voice that you it's almost hard to understand where it came from, isn't it? Joni Mitchell, like what? What? What is? How does that happen? It's never happened again. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if it will. Yeah. Uh, and you know, her voice. She shot her voice to shit. Yeah. Uh, smoking. Yeah. But and she's gone through a. She took a bad hit, man. Yeah, I know. Recent. Thing. Yeah. Have you? Are you in touch with her? Distantly, yes. Yeah. I'm supposed to go by. I have permission to go by. Yeah. So oh. I will go by. Right. Right. Uh, I love her. Yeah. I mean, we all do. We so, can't can't help it. You can't listen to the album Blue yeah. and not love Joni Mitchell. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. Not if you have ears on your head, you've got to be you have to love her. When you get to the end of that record, you say, Oh, I love that one. So the new song you're working on, how what is uh <clears throat> what's the uh how many tr- like tracks, how many people playing? So far? Yeah. Just an incredible guitar player named Greg Lease. Uh-huh. He's in Jackson's band right now and uh, but he's worked on dozens of records. You and Jackson tight? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, I love the guy, man. Yeah. He's a terrific guy. Yeah. You know, he walked in somewhere back there. He walks into a room at a friend of mine's house who said, hey, you got to hear this kid. And he was like 19. Who's this? The kid Jackson. That, yeah. And he walks into the room and I said, hey, a friend tells me that you, you write songs. And he says, uh, yeah. I said, can you sing me some? And he sat down and he sang me uh, Jamaica, uh-huh. Something Fine, and Adam in a row. Yeah, and I went, holy shit! Here comes the next wave. <laughs> you know, like, uh, wow! And I, I sang all those harmonies on his first record on Doctor My Eyes, and well, uh, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, on something fine on Jamaica, yeah. and a, yeah. you, know, you know, a bunch of them. Well, I remember when like someone turned me on to that album, the uh, the doc- the one that Doctor My Eyes is on it, and they said that you were the back. And I just remember the first time, you know, listening close enough to identify your voice, and I was like, "That is him." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sneaky. Sometimes you can't really tell it's me, but uh, well, there's a seamlessness to something that something happens when you sing with certain people, where you know it's it becomes one thing. Yeah, and if you, you if you're good, yeah, yeah, it's what you try for. Well, that's great that you know you got this great tune. Uh, I got a bunch of them. And I don't understand it, man. This is a very strange thing. Yeah. Um, most people, they get to my age, they kind of peter out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's a bad turn to phrase. <laughs> um, you you okay. can fix that. They have Peter pills. Yeah, yeah. I was afraid. I knew you were going there. Low-hanging fruit. You had a good I don't know how low it is, David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't, that's a little too much information. I <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I forgot what I'm dealing with here. Okay. Um, I don't so, always like that. You, know, just, you set me up. It was a softball. I'm sorry, I man. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I think that they don't peter out, but there's certain things like, you know, what what people want to spend their energy on, Well, they, I think, it, as they get older. It's, it just changes. Some people are like, I fuck, I'm fucking done. Yeah. I want and to also, they, they think that they've said whatever they've got to say. Right. Or they're just get lazy. Sure. Or their brain goes. Or their brain goes, or they get too into the drugs or the booze. Yeah, that uh, doesn't last. I mean, you you're about you're the you're you're like the outside of the possibilities of living through that. Yeah. I mean, I have to assume that most of the yeah. guys that continued that lifestyle that you knew from back in the day are dead. Yeah. Uh, however, what happens is normally people get as old as I am, and I am older than dirt. You know, not, uh, what you're seventy two. Let's not even go there. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm very old. I'm like 92. Okay, 92, David well Crosby. Preserved. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but what's happened is the last couple of years, see, about three years ago, I decided I wanted to get out of CSN because mm-hmm. it was just no forward motion. In terms of new work? Yeah, and in terms of, you know, the dynamic between the three of us wasn't good and, and it just wasn't exciting yeah. for me. It wasn't exciting at all. And, uh, but you guys could still sell tickets, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And we could still deliver a show that sounded pretty good because Nash and I could still sing harmony really, really well. Yeah. We, Nash is a fantastic harmony singer. Yeah. And we do, we do have a magic that we can do. Well, you did what? How many albums? Just the two of you? Like four? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good music. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, somewhere about two years ago, I started a search. Uh, I've always written, you know, in bursts, yeah. kind of, uh, and then it'll be an empty part, and then I'll sing, a, you know, write a bunch, and then not. <clears throat> this is like two years now of yeah. really intense uh, density of writing. It's just really coming a lot. And do you see the difference? Of, do you see a wisdom that, that has evolved, you know, in your writing? I That's mean, for I, somebody else to say. Yeah. I, you know, yes, I feel that, but yeah. I, it's not good for me to say that. Right. Uh I think I'm doing, since we started CPR, James and I, uh, I think I've been doing some of the best writing of my life. And uh, the Cross record, you know, that's good. There's pretty good songs on there. It's pretty good writing. Uh, And it's just gone on. I kept waiting for it to stop, and it hasn't stopped. I've I've made an entire, you ever hear of a band called Snarky Puppy? No. Good band? Oh, man. Yeah. Holy shit! Great. Oh, I don't. I don't know why I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, most people don't know. There's a band called Snarky Puppy. Look uh-huh. them up on YouTube. To okay. Blow your mind out your okay. ear. Um, I just finished making a record with uh, Michael League, who's the band leader and composer for that band. And I still had so many songs I could start another record with my son James. But, right. But the, I guess the question becomes for me just impulsively is for whatever reason these were not songs that you're like well me and graham should do this me and steven and graham should do this me and no they were your songs it the chemistry hasn't been good enough in csn for a long time for us to want to go in the studio with each other yeah uh a long time uh but the songs are there and they're what i live for right you know and and i've been writing a lot with other people i wrote a, a really good song with michael mcdonald Recently. How's he doing? Oh, terrific. Yeah. He's one of the... 
The only guy who can sing better than him is Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. I mean, he's spectacular. His voice holding up? Michael's voice is holding up. Does he? What are they? Does he tour solo? Do, are the Doobies going again? No, 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 he doesn't want to work with them. But, but uh, <laughs> you guys and your bands, yeah, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but uh, he, uh, he's fantastic. We wrote a, a really good song together. I've written songs. I found this girl uh, when I was doing a benefit record with Snarky Puppy. I found yeah. this girl, Becca Stevens, uh-huh. who's excellent. She's got a, a new record called uh, Perfect Animal. And man, this girl has her own take on singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. She's really good. Wrote a great song with her. Wrote, I, I think I'm writing. I think I'm writing a song with Donald Fagan. I think uh, I'm writing a song with Van Dyke Parks. I think I'm writing a song with. What does that mean? That you've had a couple of emails and you've yeah, thrown I don't some. Know, it means I've sent him words. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and we'll see how it turns out. You know, uh, uh, writing with uh, I like writing with other people. I write with my son constantly, yeah. and I write with this guy Michael League. Yeah, uh, constantly. Michael came to my house. Man, we wrote three songs in three days. Uh huh. Bam! Really good ones. Uh, they're on my computer. How do you know when a like like I mean I I've never written a song. What? How does it work, dude? I mean, like every which way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you start with words or do you play or? That's funny. That's the most frequent question I get asked on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. What, what, what comes first? And the answer is everything. Uh, it happens every possible way it could happen. Here's the thing. You have to be open to it. You can't legislate it into being. You know, you can, but it's not very good. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, I want to write a song about the Eiffel Tower. It's big and it's tall and it's made out of iron, mm-hmm. which is my tendency to go direct, too directly at it that yeah. way. Yeah, But that's not it. Uh, that's kind of like trying to force the issue. What you can do is pick up the guitar or sit down at the piano or, or have a pad and pencil or a computer and sort of go, okay, I'm ready. Yoo-hoo. Uh-huh. Are you out there? Uh-huh. And see what comes. Right. I fool around uh, in in these tunings every day. I well, pick, yeah, up, pick up the guitar in a strange tuning and, and I like try to find new shit. Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. every time. Every time. How many tunings are you working with? Oh, maybe 10. Yeah. Wow. Uh, at least. So you have like five or six guitars all tuned different? Hanging around? Yeah, in the bedroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, on the wall, on, in the stands, everywhere. Uh-huh. A bunch of them. And... Um, so when I find something, I, I, I noodle with it, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and it, it becomes the music of a song. One of the best things that happened to me about songwriting was Joni Mitchell uh, said to me, write that down. And I said, what? She said, you just <laughs> said something really good. Yeah. You do that all the time. You toss off, you know, conversationally, so other people would work something months to get, and you, and you forget about it. If you don't write it down, it didn't happen. Yeah. Brilliant phrase. Yeah. Brilliant truth. So I started writing it down. So I have these scraps, millions of scraps. And I'll, I'll pick them up and look at them. I'll look at a line and say, well, that's actually a pretty good line. Maybe that needs to go and bam, I'm off and running. Right. Uh, but every day I make a space for it. I work at it. Mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't try to, you know, just create it by the pound. The song has to mean something to me. It has to, to take you on some kind of voyage, you know, affect you in some way. Yeah. 
and I love it. It's it's I love playing live, but I really love making songs. And now you there's you know technology to where you you know you don't you can almost do a studio record you know at your son's house. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I have. Uh, we don't have any money. Yeah, you know we don't have a record company you know, giving us a big budget or anything. We made Cross record on the on the grocery money. Uh-huh. Uh, we couldn't have done it if James hadn't had a studio in his in his house and hadn't been really brilliant at it. And he, I mean, but that's the world we live in now. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine like you know having survived. You know, I can't imagine like after Deja Vu what was offered to you. It must have been pretty spectacular. Yeah, we were able to go in and and do wretched excess. Yeah. You know, go in the studio for months at a time, order gigantic meals, take all afternoon to fool around with one thing, spend a lot of time getting stoned and laughing. Uh, And, you know, and we didn't care. You know, somebody else's money always actually our money, but we didn't really pay attention. You didn't know that. Yeah. No, we're coming out. No, it's like we're having fun. Um, I don't do that. I can't do that. I don't have the money. I, I don't have very much money at all in my life. But I, I, it's not why I came to the party. Right. I didn't come to be uh, to be a star. To I be didn't rich. come to be rich. I didn't come to uh, be on the cover of Rolling Stone. You know, I, I came to. But you did get all those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but they weren't. Sure. They, no, they I get it. They were my raison d'etre. Was it the same with all these? I mean, was it like you know? Was, was did Graham and Stephen feel the same way? You from the East Coast? A little bit. All fam, family's so you from just Jersey. All Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it switches uh, up. Come see. I heard it. My family's from uh, Jersey, but like I pick up <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> you got. You got me. I gotcha. Yeah, the Jersey uh, roots. Yeah. Well, that's good with me. Uh, the the. Um, was it was it everybody's intention just to make good music? No. <laughs> yeah. No. But it wasn't. You guys weren't making easy music. No. You know. You know. No. There's nothing. There's nothing really on Deja Vu or even on CSN that was like this is going to be a pop hit. No, mm-hmm. we didn't. You know, I I've never had a hit. Mm-hmm. I've been in bands that had big hits. Right. Lots of. But I, I've never had one, and I, for the most part, I don't think that's what we were aiming to do. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, we were certainly happy about it with the birds. We were trying to get on the radio, but... Uh, How did Woodstock go? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would have been like walking into that. And we didn't walk in. We Flew in? Yeah, in a chopper? In a chopper? Yeah, it... There's some significant stuff about what happened there that really gets missed. Yeah. Everybody gets uh, off on how big it was or how significant it was right. or a generation coming of, of age yeah. or f- a generation finding out that, that they existed, yeah. suddenly seeing themselves. Um, there was some other stuff. Yeah. There's never been a gathering that large that I know about where nobody got murdered, nobody got robbed, nobody got raped. Yeah. Didn't happen. Yeah. So there was something going on. Uh-huh. Some sense of community, some sense of brotherhood, some sense of something going on. I remember seeing a girl walking barefoot in the mud cut her foot badly. I remember a highway patrolman walking over to her and picking her up and carrying her to his car 
And then I watched about 15 hippies push the car out of the mud. And I said, wait a minute, that's working. Yeah. This is, this is, oh, this is a step up. I remember feeling really good right at that minute because cops were our enemy, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, to see that all go away for a second, mm. there was something there. There was something, I hesitate to say spiritually, but there was something happening between the human beings there that I have not seen anywhere else. Hmm. And you can't recreate it. They tried to at Altamont. Whoa, what a mistake. <clears throat> you can't really do anything twice. Whatever you do is going to be a different thing than no matter how much you try to copy the first thing that happened. Sure. The second thing that happened is going to be different. And also, like, did you stay for the whole thing? Yeah. Like I, like I just recently saw footage of people that I didn't even like because I, you know, I'm always a little late to the party. But like, I just recently watched Tim Harden at, at, at Woodstock. Good sing, good songwriter. The, the really funny shit yeah. is that a bunch of people, because the Woodstock people who were making the movie, the yeah. Ellis brothers, didn't have any money. Yeah. To pay you. Right. A lot of people wouldn't consent to be in the movie. Right. A lot of people made a huge mistake. <laughs> Neil Young for one, yeah. <laughs> uh, Grateful Dead for another, Jefferson uh-huh. Airplane for another. They they weren't in the movie uh-huh. <laughs> because their managers or they thought, well, wait a minute, you know, where's the cash? And they didn't realize it was going to be a gigantic hit, and that being in it was worth far more than any cash that they could have gotten. And did, didn't Hendrix go on at some weird time? Like, yeah. He went at like five o'clock in the morning or something. It time took a a, a vacation there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for a while. Were you close with him? Yeah, relatively. Yeah, I liked the guy a lot. He was much quieter and much nicer than you would think. Seeing him being flamboyant on stage, sure. Uh, but if 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 his hand could touch the keyboard, he could play anything, yeah. anything. Yeah. He could play Bach. He could play Babies Crying. He could play a War. Yeah. He could play, you know, Pretty Planets wild. Colliding. And it didn't matter what it was. He could he could make it happen if if that one hand could touch that that keyboard. The one thing I don't talk to a lot of people about, like I taught, like James Taylor was in here, and he's very um, yeah, James, yeah, he's one of my favorite people. Well, he's he, it was just one of these things where he was very candid about the the struggle with heroin, like you know, like he laid it you out. Know, he's a he's a program guy, so he's really honest, right? Right. That's what they taught us. You know, you go in those rooms and and they tell you that the way to deal with it is, is be honest. Is be honest, look at it very straight on, and then set it down. Right. But he don't have to do that publicly. I was just nice because I'm a program guy that you know he was able to do it. And he's it was... been that way from the get go, man. He's, yeah. He's a he's a very honest, very high ground uh-huh. human being. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the people I admire most in the whole business, and I'm so happy he made that record. That last record was so. It was good. The, oh, the newest man, one. man. Awesome record. It's kind of wild, you know, because like, you know, you people, you wonder like, what's that guy be doing? And he's like, he's been doing great stuff just like he's, he always has. Hey, man, it was the number one record. It's the first one he's ever had. The last one. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. That's and great. he's as old as I am. Yeah. And uh, that was a big encouragement to me. Yeah. I see him, you know, functioning on the very highest level, writing superb songs, singing incredibly well, playing better than anybody. There, nobody can play in that style as well as he does. Yeah. And uh, and I admire him tremendously. He's been a friend for a long time, and I really love him. Well, the, but the yeah, he's, it was. I mean, beautiful. we've sung with him a bunch. You, yeah. you know, uh, Mexico. Yeah, yeah. That's me and Nash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lighthouse. Yeah. A lot of, we've sung with him a bunch of times. 
Well, you, it's perfect match in a way, right? Yeah. Well, that, but I guess my point was is that like one thing that people don't talk about intimately, and I, you know, and, and I and I touched on it with. Uh, with Neil a little bit, but it was in passing is that, and just being as we are, you know, program guys is just that, like how hard that generation of performers got laid out by fucking dope and by, you know, like in that, that people like they glorify it or romanticize it, but it must've been horrible to not be able to help anybody. You no, can't help anybody. It was horrifying. And it was, and it, it, it didn't just screw us up. It killed us. Yeah. I mean, I, one time work, I, I, I took this page and one of those double, yellow legal tablets you know uh-huh. big ones like this yeah i took one of those and i started writing down i think i wrote, started with cass yeah and then i wrote jimmy cass elliott yeah close friend yeah real good human being uh-huh. uh then i wrote hendrix then i wrote janice these are all my friends yeah. and and i i was getting close to the end of the second page when i finally stopped because i couldn't stand it anymore. of people who passed yeah it killed us man Dope killed us. Yeah. Cocaine and heroin just freaking killed us. And, you know, our experience coming into it, we'd been smoking pot and taking psychedelics, and they didn't do any harm to you. Right. Unless you were already psycho. Right. Then taking acid, probably not a good idea. <laughs> right. But, but uh, I remember, you know, people telling me, oh, cocaine's not addictive. You can just, you know, yeah, which yeah. is utter nonsense. It's sure. the most addictive substance on the planet. Yeah. And, and it destroyed us. Yeah, it killed. Just shot us down in rows. Well, most a lot of people were doing the coke and then doing the dope to take you down. Yeah, yeah, classic thing. Yeah, so but but it seems like you know out of the the bunch of you, like uh, just in terms of CSN land, that you were the the hardest, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I you know went down the tubes of cocaine and then I found out you could smoke it. Smoke coke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's when it really got grubby. Yeah, uh, you know that's that's the quickest, nastiest slide to the bottom there is. Is freebasing. And were okay. you doing dope too? Yeah, 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 both. And which, believe me, trying to kick cocaine and heroin in a Texas prison cell is not fun. <laughs> but well, here's a good question, and this is like the weird question because you know, being recovered, you know, uh, uh, as we are, that you know, you don't know at the time that you know if someone's in that, there's nothing you can fucking do. To stop them, so you're you're a guy that you can set an example, right? But I mean, but when you're one thing you can when you're spiraling, like like at the time, I mean, you were still you know on and off the road with CSN, right? Yeah, I mean, you were an older dude. You're in your forties, right? Yeah. So like you'd made it through the your twenties and thirties, having a good time. I was I was going downhill very rapidly, and they there were people tried to help. You you know, the intention was there. Uh, Jackson and my pal Carl Gottlieb and. and Nash and some other people tried to do an intervention uh, with were, me. Were you just holed up, like in your yeah, house, just no, no, fucking? I was, I was paranoid and fucking losing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a mess. Uh, and very little high, higher consciousness still available to me, uh-huh. uh, which was very bad. Yeah. Then uh, I went to prison. Were, you got busted in Texas. What were you doing in Texas to begin with? Playing. Solo. And uh, and I I went to prison and and it was horrifying. Uh-huh. Hey, rock star, how are you? You look terrible. Yeah. Bet you wish you weren't here now, huh? Uh-huh. Hey, hey, look, look, rock star sick again. Some bitch ain't that grand. Really? It was horrible. They but, didn't didn't they have any uh, meetings in in the prison. But then? was there any respect for you, or is it were none? They, hmm. Zero. 
It was probably the opposite. Yeah, it worked against me. Uh, and But I got through it. And the point is, that it, it takes what it takes, as you well know. Sure. It takes whatever it Jails, takes. Jails, institutions, and debt. Yeah, and so that's what it took. Uh, and I'm not, I don't regret it. I don't regret that year. It saved my life. I just remember those pictures. I remember when it first happened, when he first got busted. They had the before and then the after where they cut all your hair off. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm here. Did people come see you in prison? Carl did. My friend Carl. Yeah. He did. Uh, I don't think anybody else did. Uh, Carl's the one who wrote my autobiography, the first one. Yeah. And the second one. There's two of them. Yeah. Uh, long time gone and then uh, later on another one called Since Then which are remarkably honest books partly because they taught me to be honest about it and so I was uh, other people's biographies have been notably lacking in that quality uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the guns why were you carrying guns around you know uh, where I came from yeah I, uh, like when I moved out of LA, we moved up to a farm in Carpinteria. Yeah. And when you turned 12, you got a 22. And, yeah. you know, sure. that's just I, part I, of the, I like, get it. I, yeah. I just wondered if it was paranoia or you were well, just. Well, it was after a while. Yeah. But I was raised uh, with a whole different viewpoint about uh, it was just part of life. Right. You know, sure. Being a rifleman was a normal thing. Yeah. You, uh, so then the, the uh, Manson thing happened. And that was a half a mile away from my house. At Terry Meltzer's house. That Who were, you knew? That they were, he was one of the producers of The Birds. Terry was. I'd been to that house. And then about a half mile from my house. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's not okay. I'm getting a 12 gauge. Did you know of Manson previous? No. He wasn't around? Never met him. Yeah. Well, grateful I didn't. Um, it was horrible. Don't want to get any of that on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that's that's what that's where the guns came from. Uh, I I did get scared about it, and I got more scared when they got when they shot John Lennon. But, uh, you know, that's it's guns is a funny thing. It's not the gun. Yeah, it's the nut behind the wheel. Sure, uh, I I agree. Uh, it, it's I know a lot of people would like it to be the gun because that makes it external, right? You know, but the problem's internal. Sure. And I don't understand why we have the the problem of violence that we do in the United States. Because here, and this is an interesting thing, I you know was ready to put it put it down to the cultural matrix. Yeah. To people see, you see somebody get shot every ten minutes on TV, mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's all about that. Um, movies and TV are just constant gun violence. Yeah. Um, however. The Canadians watch the same TV and the same movies, and they don't have anywhere near the rate. No, no, absolutely. Not yeah. even close. No. So what's the And there's deal? hunting guns around in Canada. There's tons of guns in Canada, yeah. and they don't have anywhere near the rate yeah. that we do. And they're watching the same TV and the same movies. So that kind of discounts my theory that it, it was cultural matrix. I'm, you know, I've debated back and forth with, uh, about this with people over and over and over and again. And I think it's just something you have to work out for yourself. You know, I, I don't think, I know this. If they made guns illegal, it wouldn't work. Because they're in two-thirds to three-quarters of the houses in the United States of America, and nobody's going to give them up. They will all tell you the same thing I would, which is you first. Yeah. And they're not going to. But you lived through, like, there was definitely, vi- I mean, were you guys at Altamont? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you know, that was the, the that that was sort of between Manson and Altamont. That was sort of the end of it. Yeah, you know, uh, it was a low, a, a nadir, a low point, no question. Uh, it was, you know, what went wrong with Altamont? It was very simple. The the Grateful Dead management who put that show on, mm-hmm. they put that show together. Was that Bill Graham? No. It was a no. It uh, was their manager. Oh, okay. Uh, they hired the Health Angels to be the security. Yeah. Now I'm the only one that defended the Health Angels afterwards. Yeah. Everybody else was, oh, they're terrible Hell's Angels, and they shot that guy, and oh, they killed him, and knifed him, it's so terrible. So the biggest radio station in San Francisco calls me up yeah. and says, well, what do you think, Dave? And I said, you know what? If you don't want the tiger to eat your lunch guests, yeah. don't invite the tiger to lunch. Right. <laughs> uh, these are Hell's Angels. They fight. Uh, yeah. It's what they do. Uh, you know, It's part of their life. They're, it's a normal thing for them to fight. Uh so if you invite them in, give them a job they don't know how to do, and put them in confrontational situation, there's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. And you're stupid if you don't know that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I blamed the situation and the management completely, publicly. And for a long time, there was a picture of me on the wall in the Oakland Mother Chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we like I, Dave. Hey, well, you know, I told him like it was. Yeah. Can I say? This uh, guy's not on the hit list. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But, uh, but it seems to me that, like, you know, a lot of your musical development as you came into your own really revolved around that San Francisco scene. Yeah, it did. That, that, that sort of uh, improvisational and, and jazz-driven element that, that was part of Jerry and part of, uh, uh, you know, who else up there. Um, but it just seemed the looseness of it. The real hippie ideal of what music could be with adventure was there. It was about being open to, you know, stretching the envelope. Yeah. And, and going for new, new stuff. And they were all wide open to it. And did you stay Why friends with uh, with them all the way? Th- are you still friends with the dead guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You and Phil talk, uh, you share liver stories? Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, Phil's, Phil's a, a, an anomaly, man. He's a completely unusual human being, and I like him a lot. Smart uh, guy. Yeah, I like Bob. I like uh, I like Mickey. I, I like you know. Yeah, all of them. They're all they're all good cats. But you knew you probably knew Pigpen too then, right? I met him. Yeah, but I didn't like, get to know him the way I got to know the other guys because he he was the first of the many keyboard players they lost. Right. I know uh, it's weird, right? It's totally weird. Yeah, uh, Keith. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it was like they, they, every yeah. once in a while, oh, our keyboard player exploded. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like <laughs> Spinal Tap. Yeah. But you found freedom in that environment in, in the Bay Area. Enormously. Yeah. Because they didn't give a shit about show business. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. It's so funny because, like, you know, as CSN, as you guys got older, you were definitely a show business act. No kidding. And that's what got me to want to get out of the, of the band. But also you knew, though, like, if like if a couple of years went by and things got a little lean, it's like, well, let's go do a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went right with it. Turn yeah. the smoke machine on. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do Almost Cut My Hair Again. No problem. Want me to sing it twice? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was right there. It's the path of least resistance, man. Uh-huh. It's like, it's a thing, it's a devolving thing uh-huh. that happens to all bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I call it the turn on the smoke machine and play your hits thing. And, uh, and it's the excitement in a band that's a new band when you're playing new music and you're exciting to people and they're and it's a joy to do it yeah <clears throat> that fades yeah it and, does 
And uh, at a certain point, you should go on to the next thing. Right. Which I was forced to do a couple of times and chose to do a couple of other times. And I'm, truthfully, man, I'm very proud of the work that I did there. I'm very proud of the work that we did there. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's not, there's no forward motion. There's no room to stretch. Right. And I need that. Sure, and also you need to sort of like now, like you know, given that you are where you're at economically and you are where you're at creatively, but you do have the tools and the resources and the 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 compassion and and you know energy to just continue creating. Why not just just do it? Why not do it? Yeah. Uh, the, truthfully, the biggest thing that being a success gives you is yeah. a, is access to the tools, and you don't know that going in. You think it's getting laid or being famous, or being famous is really a pain in the ass. And and our culture in the United States is aimed at service rather than substance. And the surface stuff, the this whole thing that's going on now where people are just famous for being famous. Yeah. You know, uh, What's the name of those idiots? Kanye West married one of them. Kardashians? Yeah. yeah. Did, I don't know. What did they create? I don't know. Nothing. I, yeah. Who did they help? I couldn't even identify them in a picture. To Who be did they help? Yeah. No one. What What have they brought to society? What have they, like, what positive force yeah. have they been? None. Nothing. They are nothing. They are nothing. Mm-hmm. And they are famous for being famous. It's all about celebrity. That's what TMZ is about. Yeah. The most surface thing in the world. You know, it's nonsense. It's just total crap. I have no patience for it at all. I have no patience for Kanye West. I, I, I think the guy's a, a p- total poser. I like a couple of his records. Well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a, he's kooky, but uh, <coughs> at least he's put some things out in the world that were good. They're, you know, he's... Bad percussive poetry done to other people's music. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not that I... Look, the guy who did Hamilton... Hmm. He can rap. Lynn Manuel, that's a did great show. Did you see what he did? I think it was on on on. I didn't. I got to watch that. It was on. A, well, was it on Colbert? Yeah, one was of those. It, yeah, with the rap that he did about Puerto Rico. Yeah, it will knock your dick in the dirt. I saw the show recently. You can't believe how good it was. He's he's a sweet, creative man. That guy. Well, it's he, a great show. Did you see the show? Goddamn good at what he does. Yeah. I did not see the show. That's great. I am noted for not liking rap music. Right and. You know, that's my son did that to me. My younger son, Django, forced me to look at, and and you know now I listen to somebody like this Lynn guy, and it's uh, it's undebatable. There isn't any question that he. Oh, you got to see is, that show. You'd love that show. I would. Uh, you can't deny that. Sure, of course not. It's real shit. Well, you're, yeah, everybody's doing what they do. There's room for everybody who's yeah, doing being creative. There is, and and I shouldn't rag on the entire. You know, yeah. it's like saying all you know. All Chinese are bad drivers yeah. or something because it's really nonsense. No right. group of people bigger than sure. than a hundred. It's a little old guy stuffy for for yeah. for an old uh, open minded dude. It isn't open minded. Right. It's dumb yeah. because it, it, if you get a hundred human beings, they got everything in there from axe murderers to angels, sure. and that's true of every possible conglomeration of human beings. They, sure. There's a spread there. Yeah. There's people I don't want to have anything to do with, and I think are dumb. But the like, truth is, like the the beauty of it is, is that you know people can put their shit out in the world relatively inexpensively exactly the way the way they want it neither people will come or they won't and that's not horrible that's a good thing that's a good thing yeah so now we what we've we what we've come to is that um 
So you're 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 happy with the stuff you're doing now? Oh, very happy. CSN is not going to do any more shit. Well, that's what Nash says. Okay. Stills and I haven't said a word. Okay. Do you, are you friendly with Stills still? Yeah, relatively. <laughs> yeah. I always I mean, like. Everyone... We've been together forty years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> how how much bro do you think there is left? You know, it's like it. You grate on each other's nerves. We are very different human beings. We have different agendas and different different. Uh, Values, sure. All, all three of us, and Nash has publicly announced, you know, that CSN is over. He's never going to do it again, ever. <laughs> uh, I think mostly just because he, he, it's the only thing he can say that will get attention, and he needs the attention. He's got a record out there. Uh huh. Well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with all that. But you know, you so you're never you're not saying never. No, I never do. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah. Uh, if Neil called and Neil said there's never going to be any more CSN, why too? Uh, but if Neil called Stephen and 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 me and Graham and says, you know, okay, so all right, maybe we should. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd probably do it if there was music there. Mm-hmm. If everybody could bring some music. Do you like singing with them? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but there has to be some music there. Are you sailing anymore? No. So sad. So sad. I sailed. I had a boat for 50 years and I loved that boat. And last year... I had to pretend to be a grown-up for a minute. Yeah. Which, there was a rumor I was going to grow up. Uh-huh. And it didn't pan out. No. Uh, you seem almost grown up. Uh, near, nearly, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, nearly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what happened is, uh, I got my boat to be pretty perfect. I had it about 50 years, sailed it all over the Pacific, all over the Caribbean, through the canal a bunch of times. And it's just been a big part of my life. A big sanity factor, big health factor, big spiritual factor for me. Uh Last year, it was in very, very good shape, and I knew that I couldn't keep it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't make enough money to do that. And uh, it's hard. I met a guy, wanted the boat, had millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh-huh. could, could keep it perfect, could keep her in perfect shape. And he knew what she was. Yeah. He knew that she was an Alden schooner. He, he's a schooner sailor. He knew how beautiful she was. He knew exactly what her value yeah. and, and in the world was yeah and i had to sell it and uh i regret it because I, I miss her every day we will he, he let you use it no he'd let he'd take me sailing on it uh-huh. uh but you can't really go backwards on that yeah it's uh i haven't been sailing since since then because it's just pretty painful would you go out alone and sail? No, I'm not really into sailing alone. I yeah. like sailing with other people because I like sailing bigger boats. Yeah. Big, big sailboats. You need you a crew. Have, you got to have a crew. Where are you at now health-wise? Well, I'm old. No, I know. I've been through a lot. 92, right? Yeah, 92. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, pretty well considering. I yeah. mean, I had hepatitis C. That's uh, gone. That's gone. They give. They finally came up with a cure at right. a thousand dollars a pill, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. How many pills do you need? If you think big pharma is your friend, consider that one. So you had to treat that after the liver transplant or before? Yeah, after they treated it with the transplant, which really was just a hair's breadth away from dying. Ugh. So that's that's done. I'm diabetic, which is a rough one. That'll probably get me. Uh, I've had a, had a couple of heart attacks. That's probably going to get me. Uh, you know, I really try to stay as healthy as I can, but it's, 
I mostly try to celebrate the fact that I am breathing right now. Yeah. And you sing and you write songs. And you work with, uh, well, I know you did stuff with uh, a lot of people, but you did some fairly recent work with David Gilmore? Yeah. 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 I, I like David a lot. Yeah. He's one of my most favorite musicians. He's a fantastic guitar player. No, really wild. Yeah. Unbelievable. His yeah. tone, his touch. Yeah. Spectacular. And he's a nice man. Yeah. And would you you sing with him? Yeah, I've sung with him and and done shows with him. I I sang with him here at the Hollywood Bowl. I miss that. And that show. was big fun. Yeah, big. And fun. Phil Collins is a friend, right? Yeah, he got you a liver. Yeah, he helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we did it. We wrote a song together called "Hero," which was as close as I came to having a radio hit. Mm-hmm. He produced it and and we sang it together and stuff. And it was it's real good. He's Phil's an incredible singer. Yeah, he's got problems being able to play drums now because he's got problems with his hands. But he's still one of the great singers. And you are a, a Hall of Famer for two bands. Yeah, that's should be three. Yeah, yeah. Because CSNY is a totally different band. Yeah, I mean right. it's totally different. You add Neil Young to the mix, and you just added Nitroglycerin. Uh huh. It's not not the same band as Crosby, Stills, and Nash at all. But you seem to have, you know, despite personal, uh, you know, history, you, you seem to have a lot of respect for everybody, for him I do. anyways. Okay. I do. If you look back over the work we did, which is really the, the only thing that counts, yeah. is the songs. Yeah. Um, we did some good work. Four-Way Street's pretty amazing. Yeah, there's some really fine work there. And, I, and, I, and I'm sorry, I, yeah, I, I keep uh, uh, saying the name of your solo record wrong. If I could only remember my name... That rec- Do you know that record has been resurrected by hipsters as being? Uh, yeah, it's kind of. It's it. it <laughs> what do they call it? A, a cult classic. Yeah, they people love it. It has a vibe. It was a gold record though, anyways, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That's like a hit. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> that's not a radio hit. <clears throat> that doesn't exist anymore. There's no more radio hits. I, I guess I don't know. It, you know, it's it's funny to watch how the business changed. The biggest change was that the record companies didn't know what the word digital meant. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. They mm-hmm. thought it was a different kind of cassette. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just, well, it's like uh, going from 8-track to uh, cassette, no, right? No. And they, they got away from them. Digital analog, that was a little beyond their capacity to understand. So analog, for those of you out there who don't know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. Mark knows, but here's the deal. Analog, you make a copy, it loses something called going down a generation you do it again you lost another generation by the time you make the 10th copy it's useless by the time you make the thousandth copy no, of digital. a digital it's exactly the same but there's problems this, with that well the problem is that the record companies didn't understand it and as soon as you put out a cd people can make a thousand copies of it and they're exactly the same and also the integrity of the the spectrum of sound is bad they were Digitally, compromised it used to be yeah Digitally now, it really digital, you can get it up to the same quality if you slice it fine enough. Yeah. If you get a high res, you know, uh, 24-bit 192, you know, that's, that's good shit. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> Uncut. Uh, you and I both like uh, uh, vinyl. Yeah. And, and, I mean, there's it has a quality to it. Vinyl has a certain way that it approaches you. And, yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, but digital, if you get high res digital... It's terrific. If you're using MP3s, I'm sure Neil went here. He hates MP3s. No, he's, he's selling his new thing, yeah, the well, Pono. Pono, I have one. Yeah. There's one in my bag right out there. Yeah. It's a, a high-res player. You like it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I have, every member of my family has one. <laughs> They're really good. Yeah. Uh, but 
that, you know, the record companies just flat didn't understand it, and then things went downhill from there. Uh, the the streaming services are an abomination. They're totally wrong, totally bad. Mm-hmm. If if Spotify, if you played one of my tunes on Spotify ten thousand times, yeah, I could buy you lunch. Well, that's yeah. They're not paying the 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 artist is a shitty thing yeah it is because how the hell do you think other people are going to be artists if they they look at it and say well i can't even make a living i couldn't even put my kids in school what's how are you going to do it someone's making money someone is someone is uh they actually the the motherfuckers that were screwing musicians to begin with have now evolved into digital fucking yeah (laughs) bigger motherfuckers Yeah, yeah and and you know there are a lot of people fighting back yeah uh but the it's and it's a really really crappy situation i just signed a a letter that my pal walsh sent me uh that uh that don henley generated Uh, joe yeah joe's a good guy yeah he's a solid human being he's one of my favorite people in the whole music business he's a good friend good songwriter oh excellent songwriter excellent player excellent singer and a totally great guy that's good uh, sober too yeah and you want to talk to him because yeah. he will crack your ass totally up yeah he invited me out to uh santa cruz island uh, a couple of weeks ago uh he's on the board of the the conservancy out there yeah and we we spent a, a couple of days out there just laughing our asses off he's, he's a wonderful he seems cat. like a good guy. everyone has good things to say about oh, him. oh no he's a wonderful cat I remember when we were a quarter day drunk. Yeah. And and I I loved watching him blossom the way he does. You know, he and Richie uh married two sisters, right? Richie Starkey. Yeah. You know, Ringo. Yeah. So they married two sisters. Yeah. And they both sober. Yeah. And they hang out together. Yeah. The two sisters and and, uh. and Joe and, and Richie. And so we went to <clears throat> Joe did a favor for the LA County Museum of Art. Yeah. There was supposed to be a benefit, and somebody wouldn't show it, so he plugged in and, and covered it. So they owe him. So and Richie can't go to the museum during open hours. What can we block? Well, it's Ringo, my God! Yeah. Uh, so they let him go afterwards. Uh huh. And the three of us and our wives all went, mm-hmm. and we we laughed ourselves silly. Yeah. We had more fun at that uh, that museum together. It's a great night. And we had dinner there afterwards. It was a joy. Joe, Joe's somebody you want to talk to. As I'd like to talk to him. I'll put a plug in for you. Okay, that'd be great. Well, you know, it's amazing about talking to you, and even like when we when we talked on the phone a week or so ago, was that like uh, your spirit is is fully intact? <laughs> you know, given you know how 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 far you dragged it, how much you tr- almost yeah, tried well, to kill it, and your ego seems in check, and you know, you just you see, you have a, a, a vitality that is rare in people of any age, and it was uh, beautiful to talk to you. Well, you know, I, I, I'm lucky, man. I've got a great family, and I've got a, a fantastic job. So I, believe me, I enjoy talking to you. If you want to do it again, yeah, uh, I'll I'll do it again. This is fun. We haven't even covered half the shit we could talk about. Like we haven't talked about nuclear power. Yeah, well, you're against it. Oh, totally. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? No. Yeah, it was. Kidding. Well, I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, human beings make mistakes. Yeah. A. Yeah. B. We have no place to put the waste. Yeah. None. Yeah. Zero. We have no way to deal with the waste. Yeah. Uh, and C, Mother Nature can knock down anything we can build. That's true. That's and, a, and in California, she's gonna. Yeah. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. 
Yeah, that's, gonna a, happen. that's the funny thing is that, you know, uh, humans might not survive, but Mother Nature will be fine. Yeah. Sure, Emma. Sure, Emma. <laughs> she can absorb, she can take the hit. Giant cockroaches. Big ones. Yeah. It's not going to be a pretty world after we're done. No, but it'll be here. Yeah. I, I just, I want us to grow up and go out into space and find out who's in the neighborhood. That's my dream. All right. Well, maybe they'll actually, you know, you've, you've got the new liver. Maybe they'll, they'll figure out a way before you uh, check out to take the brain and, and make you expand your consciousness that I'd, way. I'd do it in a second. I'd be a brain chip in a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet, right? Oh, hell yes. Well, you said it here, folks. If anyone's out there working on that, uh, David Crosby's available for brain chipping. Yeah. We need that spaceship. Yeah. And we need it now. <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. You're welcome. That was David Crosby and myself chatting a uh, lovely man I, I, I even like I, I like just looking at david crosby across the table with his white hair and white david crosby mustache it's almost like he invented that mustache and that hair to some degree also we've got something special for you on wednesday a brand new mark and tom show with me and tom sharpling if you subscribe to wtf you'll get it wednesday morning so enjoy that me and mr sharpling chatting as the lights dim, that's a mortality reference. We're okay. We're not. It's we're middle. I'm older than him. It doesn't matter. We're just trying to figure shit out. You want me to play some redundant guitar? Boomer lives. <laughs>